Hi everybody and a very pleasant good morning to you wherever you may be. I'm Mr. Daniel and this is Jen and this is the Park Middle School Sunday School Podcast. Welcome. Hey guys. How's it going? <laughs> well it's great to be with you guys for another week. Uh, we did not meet last Monday night on a Zoom call but remember we will be meeting this Monday night. Uh, hope everybody had a great Memorial Day. We had a wonderful day off and uh, hopefully we will be getting closer to, I'm not sure how many more weeks we will be having Sunday school. I'm not really sure what the plan is going to look like, but we will make everyone aware. But we're doing well for the most part. We hope that you're doing well and we can't wait to see you on uh, Monday night. But first of all, I said for the most part, because Miss Jen, you do have an, in an injury that you're nursing. You want to tell everybody about it? <laughs> Oh yeah, let me fully disclose that one. <laughs> My knee is, uh, is, is a little sore and uh, started bothering me a couple days ago, maybe on Wednesday or so. I started feeling a tweak in my knee and then Thursday it really started hurting. And by Friday, I was actually getting up in the middle of the night and putting ice on it. It was hurting mm. so much and was having trouble going up and down the stairs. So I started feeling a little bit more my age, a little bit older, right? Not as yep. flexible. And uh, funny part of this story is we were sitting on the couch last night talking and it dawned on me why my knee was hurting. Really? Why was that? <laughs> We've got this wonderful English bulldog who is a seven-month-old puppy and has not quite learned potty training yet. I don't know if he's ever going to learn, but anyway, at any rate. <laughs> so... I had come down the stairs uh, earlier part of this week and walked into the living room and right at that point was a nice puddle of whiz. Nice. <laughs> and I almost broke my back on it. <laughs> and so I caught myself. I didn't end up on the floor. But you jerked your leg. But I jerked my knee and yeah. I think... I think I'm paying the price of that. So. And hopefully uh, you will recover soon. Yeah. And I think you're going to, but you still, even as we speak, have an ice pack on it. So yeah. be praying for Miss Jen, everyone. I, I uh, tried to swiftly come down the stairs from uh, putting Charlie up. Yep. <laughs> My knee hurts. But I think we will persevere. We will be okay. We will prevail. But I'm sure I'm going to slip on some more pee spots in the house. Well, it blends into the wood. It does. Doggone it. <laughs> But at any rate, we are stuff. <laughs> we are with you guys for another week. I hope these podcasts have been a blessing. Thank you to everybody who's continued to listen to them and participated and been a part of uh, the, the group meetings on Monday night. We know it's not the same as being in person. We yeah. completely realize that. But at we the same time, that. it's one way that we can get teaching out to you guys and that we can hang out. A and bit of fellowship and chat Hopefully, time. Lord willing in the fall whenever we meet again as far as Sunday school uh, we will be back to normal okay. so but we've enjoyed it very much uh, for the time being but today guys we're going to be in John chapter 3 and I don't know if you remembered but last time we said we were going to talk about John chapter 3 specifically the new birth mm -hmm. and we're going to be in John 3 so if you want to go ahead and get your Bibles out we're going to be in John 3 in verses 1 to 21 John chapter 3 and remember that we're making we're working our way through the New Testament, 
and the ministry of Jesus and we've come to the part where Jesus and I'm sure everyone is very familiar with this story where Jesus talks to Nicodemus and he talks about what it means to be born again but before we get started and before you read the passage Miss Jen would you pray for us yeah dear Lord we thank you so much um, for uh, your faithfulness Lord your um, long-suffering your just constant care for us in every possible way, even in the ways that we don't see. We just thank you, Lord, for meeting us here tonight to be able to talk about your word. We pray that you just bless the conversation. And we pray for um, the people who are listening, Lord, that they would, uh, their hearts would be pricked, that their minds would be uh, opened and encouraged, and Lord, that you would just uh, help us all be more like you. We love you so much. Thank you for this time now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to read John 3. Um, the passage is actually 3 through 18, but we're going to stretch that out just a little bit and go before and behind it. Oh, make sure you're just stretching the passage out, not your knee. <laughs> not I just want to make knee. sure we're careful before no, we get started here. It couldn't even be possible. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure we get safety first. Just stretching the passage. Safety first. You know that. Okay. <laughs> That was close. Skim that one by. All right, so we're going to go <laughs> verse 1 through 21. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied. Truly I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who ascended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world in this way, he gave his only his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who loves the truth 
who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his work may be shown to be accomplished by God. Thank you so much. Without a doubt, this is one of my absolute favorite parts of the Bible. And you could spend a ton of time on yeah, it. Yeah, packed. But we will not do a five-hour podcast today. <laughs> we will not stretch it out to that length. We're going to keep it to the normal length, which means we're going to go through this quickly, which means I have to do something that is not always the easiest thing for me, Miss Jen. <laughs> Get to the main point. Get to the point. <laughs> and the main point of this passage is that Jesus is describing what it means to be born again to become a Christian. And I think for us today, it is very important and extremely critical to use terminology that the Bible uses when, when talking about someone becoming a Christian, not specifically making a decision, mm -hmm. not simply uh, choosing the Lord, uh, even though in verses and in parts it says, choose this day whom you will serve, but for me, and this is one of the absolute best ways to describe what it means to become a Christian and what happens to a person when they become a Christian. I've heard it said, and I want at the very beginning as we're looking at this, guys, to think about becoming a Christian. I've heard a pastor say, and I believe it was a pastor who lived in England back in the last century named Martin Lloyd-Jones, who said that salvation is something that happens to us and not something that we do. Right. And when we're talking about birthing, I have not birthed any children because I am not able. But you have, Miss Jen. Yeah. You have given birth to our three wonderful daughters, and I'm incredibly grateful. <laughs> and it's, an, it's very intentional that the Lord uses the birth analogy here when he's going to talk to Nicodemus describing what someone has to do, as, he, as you just read, to enter the kingdom of heaven. This isn't some peripheral issue. Yeah. This isn't something that's inconsequential and doesn't really matter and that you can disagree on in what is being said. How the Lord describes someone being a Christian is very, very important. And like I was saying, I would say that when if I'm going to tell someone what it means to become a Christian, I would want to go to this passage maybe first and say, if you want to become a Christian, what it means to be a Christian is that you have been born again. People used to use that term a lot mm -hmm. yeah. back in the day. It's not used as much anymore, yeah. and I think it needs to come back. That's a great point. We are ones who have been born again. But let's start at the very beginning, and you've already read through it. We're just going to zip back through, making a few comments here and there. But right off the bat, you read that this was a man named Nicodemus. And he was a ruler of the Jews. So setting the stage in our mind, this is a gentleman who is of consequence in the society. He's on the Sanhedrin. He's a ruler. And he comes to him at night. Did you read anything or, or uh, anything that would give us insight into what it means that he came to him at night? Yeah, the, I was actually going to mention that uh, the word Pharisees actually means separated one. Okay. I thought that was interesting just because like they were set above, they were different, right? They 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 were their names actually had some some context to them. I thought that was interesting about Nicodemus. So um but yeah, talking about him coming at night, um people think it might have been because 
right? I've heard people say he was uh, afraid, wanted to come at night. Mm -hmm. um, others that said that, you know, uh, he didn't, he wanted to have time to be able to really talk to, to Jesus, right? He didn't want to be interrupted. And his, his days were busy, so he didn't want to be interrupted. But um, I think it was because the Pharisees, they really weren't fans of Jesus. And he, he wanted to be able to talk to him and know more without the criticism yeah. of them. No, I agree completely. And I think this brings us to a very good point that we can spend just a minute on, is that oftentimes we are very much influenced by what other people think. Oh, totally. And I cannot even begin to stress enough to you guys who are listening, anyone who's listening, <laughs> that as a Christian, you cannot... Deter you cannot let what other people think determine what you say is true or not true, especially when it comes to spiritual matters and when it comes to the Bible. A couple verses that come to my mind is a little bit later in the book of John when it says in John 12, 42, it says, Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. And on the converse side, Paul in Galatians 1, one of my favorite verses that I've been meditating on lately, in verse 10 says, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So I think you're right. I think as Nicodemus comes to Jesus, he kind of wants to come because... The Spirit might be working in his heart. He sees what Jesus is doing. He can see that there are incredible miracles and events that are occurring around this man. He wants to meet with him, but I think by the phrase at night, he doesn't want it to be public. He yeah. doesn't want to um, have the effects of others knowing what he's right. doing affect him, yeah, questioning him that. and how he's seen. Because it also leads us in his statement. So he comes to Jesus, it's at night, the way he addresses Jesus, look, how he, what he says. He says, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Mm -hmm. He doesn't recognize Jesus fully for who he is. God. He doesn't see his deity. He doesn't see, um, he doesn't see him for being the Messiah. He sees him as addressing him as teacher, and he knows that the presence of God is upon him because of the incredible things that he's doing. And then the Lord starts the description and starts preaching to him. So from all indication, I'm not sure <coughs> um, who else around. Some people think that this is just a one-on-one -on -one conversation, whether there were other individuals present and it's just not mentioned. But the Lord responds in verse 3, Truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born again... He cannot see the kingdom of God. So this is the thesis statement that the Lord makes. The first thing he says is that if you want to see the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom of the Lord in heaven past this life, mm -hmm. if you want to get there, you've got to be born again. Mm -hmm. Well, we are very accustomed to reading this verse and to knowing the doctrine of salvation and what it means to be born again. But when the Lord makes this statement, it sounds very absurd 
to him because he responds in a fashion that's like, excuse me. Because from a human standpoint, to tell someone that they have to be born again makes no sense. Right. I was born once, I exist. Yeah. What do you mean? And that's exactly what we see. He's, he's, um, he's confounded mm -hmm. when he says in verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Mm -hmm. A man lives, you know, he grows up, he's a child, he matures into young adulthood. How can he, like he says here, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Can he do that? It seems absurd. It seems right. nonsensical. And the Lord just responds, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, mm -hmm. he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So he's going to describe to Nicodemus what he means by this. And one note I found that gives some explanation is that when he's talking about water, he's not talking about literal water, but he's talking about it in a figurative sense in regards to cleansing mm -hmm. and having our sins forgiven. Purification. Being purified, mm -hmm. being purged, and also what would accompany that, the Spirit is the one who would do this. So he's not talking about physical. He, he, he wants Nicodemus to know right away. Right. I'm not talking about being born again in a physical sense because you've been born, you're here. So in another sense, you must be born in the sense of your, your sins are cleansed, you're forgiven, and the Spirit is intimately at work in what is going on. It's in the, the beginning of a new life, a exactly, change, a exactly. something big. You have to be made new. New, that's it. And so in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He just makes that distinction. Mm -hmm. Don't be, don't be shocked, Nicodemus. Don't be amazed that I said to you that you have to be born again. And then here, Miss Jen, in our conversation of salvation and conversion and what that looks like, let me ask you a question real quick. When it comes to being born, what did you have to do with your birth? Did you, before you were born, were you given a sheet and say, let me see, you can have... Uh, any of the 12 months is your birthday. You can have, uh, you have seven different options of parents mm. where you can be born, where you, were you given any assessment that you were able to decide upon and determine where you would be born, how you would be born, to whom you would be born, and in what manner or fashion that would take place? Nope. And not only did I not have any choice or part in that, right? Their parents didn't either, right? I mean, as far as, as, as a woman who has had children, mm -hmm. it just happens, right? Yeah. I don't have to figure it out or do something to make sure the baby comes. It all just happens. It just comes about in the way that it comes about, and it starts with, you know, the labor um, pains and all those things. It's, it's nothing that the child has any part in doing or the parent has any part in doing. I think it's such a cool way that uh, he connects those two with the next part here where he talks about that. So, Well, it reminds me of a psalm that a certain King David wrote in Psalm 139. And I, I want to make this point very clear that God is the one who orchestrated your exactly. physical birth. That statement has to be understood. Mm -hmm. David echoed this in Psalm 139, 13, where he said, For you, 
speaking to God, formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. So when we're going to make a comparison, and when Jesus is going to make a comparison between the physical birth and the spiritual birth, we have to understand that we had nothing to do with our physical birth. Right. God determined that Daniel Huddleston would be born to Gary and Hope Huddleston before time was ever set in motion on April 1st, mm -hmm. 1981. And the insane, incredible part is that every part of history leading down to the specific events of my mom and dad getting together and being married on December 17th, 1977, years later I would be born, was all set in motion before anything occurred. Why? Because God is very different than us and he's an eternal being. So you know what? I did not determine that I would be born to them. Am I thankful? Incredibly, incredibly grateful. But God was the author of my life. He made me exactly who I am, gave me my body, my emotions, my, my personality. I had nothing to do with that. I was a w recipient of his wonderful grace in that. I say all of that to say this. When we come to the new birth, it is reflective and it mirrors God as the author of my physical life. Right. He is the author of my spiritual, spiritual life. life. Mm -hmm. And there are Bible verses that go along with that. Um, Ephesians 5, 26. Actually, one of my favorites I'm going to read first is Titus 3, 5, where it says, I'm going to turn to it in my Bible right here. It says, He saved us, not on the basis of, de of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So at the very beginning, I want us to understand that the new birth is something that is given to us, that is something that God ordained just like my physical birth that would take place and would come about and that I would be the wonderful recipient of and incredibly grateful for. Yeah, and I think primarily too in that verse in Titus, right, it's nothing that we have done. It's not because we have obeyed our parents today nope. or we read our Bibles today or we didn't, um, I don't know if it's even possible to not sin every day, right? But, yeah. but right, so, <laughs> well. but again it's not because of anything that we've done it's not because we're good it's not because we are born into a good family or, no. or it has nothing to do with anything of who we are it is all orchestrated by the lord and that's a very important point i want everyone to be as clear as possible that that's what we're saying mm -hmm. that when you are saved it is because god and there's a verse in acts where it talks about god opened Lydia's heart. Mm -hmm. God opens up each one of our minds and is the author of salvation. And I believe, if I can find it, where it talks about, well, this is one of my 
favorite verses. It says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And you know what? That is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The very faith that I have is a gift. The very fact that I am a Christian, I cannot take credit for. I am incredibly so thankful that God has elected me, that he chose me, that before the foundation of the world, he wrote my name down in the book of life, and it was executed at a particular moment where he opened my eyes and allowed me to be born again. And that that is echoed, and we're going to keep moving along, in verse 8, where the Lord says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Lord is saying that there's no formula. The Holy Spirit is the one who will save those people whom he chooses and those whom he wants to bring to salvation. You can share the gospel with someone and their heart is not opened. You share the, the exact same words with someone else, maybe even fumble over it. And God opens their heart because he is the initiator of salvation and he gives them just ask us to be the faithful. new birth. Absolutely. It. it takes all the pressure off. It does. It's not about me, but it's a work that God causes in someone's mm -hmm. heart to bring them to himself. And Nicodemus is just confounded. Mm -hmm. How can this be? It doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. And Jesus says, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? Really, Nicodemus? I'm talking about basic things. Well, and because Nicodemus would have been teaching this stuff, right? Well, yeah, he, he says he's a ruler. He would have the scriptures in his hands. He was a Pharisee, right? You don't, yeah, you don't know he knew about all. this? He knew the rules. He knew the scriptures. And, yeah. And he didn't get it. And the Lord says, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen and do not accept, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe it if I tell you heavenly things? So at Nicodemus's uh, shocking response, the Lord's like, if you don't understand this, then how can I, how can I go on? Right. How can I continue to tell you and tell you deeper things of, the, of God if you can't understand that at the outset, God is the one who has to give you a new heart and a new transformation in order to be with him? You know what I really think that is, and I don't know if I've thought about it till now, but like it's a recognized a recognition of our own sin. Yeah, the depravity. Like, yeah. If you think you can go into God's presence right now right without being transformed, mm -hmm. you don't understand one who you are and how sinful you are, and two, you don't understand how holy and powerful and awesome God is. If you think you can just waltz in there in your present condition, yeah. Romans twelve two. We have to be not. We can't be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have to be transformed in order for us to come into His presence, which thankfully, the cross has done. In thirteen, He says, "No one has ascended into heaven, but He who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man." Who is the Son of Man? Jesus. It's Jesus. And then, oh man, we're having a motor, guys. You can't see this, but Miss Jen is telling me to keep move. Is telling me to move along. But gosh, this is a wonderful chapter. <laughs> Verse 14 is uh, a reference to what happened in Numbers 21 when the people were complaining and the serpents got loose. And if you were bit, you died. And the Lord told Moses to lift up a, 
a brass serpent, and if they looked to the serpent, they would live. It was a foreshadowing of the Lord. And here in John 3:14, the Lord is calling himself for the world that serpent, in a sense, that means of salvation that people will look to, they will live. Where he says, For as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He was the promised Messiah. All throughout the Old Testament, everything was pointed to him. And here, in verse 15, So that whoever believes will, will in him have eternal life. That is just a conditional statement, guys, that says the gospel, whoever believes in the gospel is part of that elect group that God has chosen from before the foundation of the world. It is, I am to preach it to the entire world. I have no idea who God is going to save. It's just like verse 8, the Spirit's going to save whom he wants. But my command has been given, Ms. Jen, that we are to preach the gospel to everyone. And whoever believes that yep. will be regenerated by him. And then John 3.16, we all know. And for God so loved the world. Or in uh, another translation, he loved the world in this way, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Once again, it's just that statement that's saying, whoever believes in the son has life and is part of that elect group that God has regenerated by his merciful hand. Verse 17, for God didn't send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Now that's very important. The first time Jesus came, he came on a mission to save. He came, as he said, to seek and to save that which was lost. Miss Jen, is his second coming going to look exactly like his first coming? Nope, totally different. When he comes again the second time, guys, he's coming to judge. The first time he came to save. And the whole reason that Jesus came was for what we just read. He came to reconcile the world to God. He came so that the world might be saved. And then the Lord in verse 18 makes this statement, and there's a lot of stuff here, but we're just going to go through quickly, that he who believes in him is not judged. The reason we're not judged is because our sins have been paid on the cross. The Lord took our sins. But he who doesn't believe has already been judged because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John is the one who wrote this letter, this book. When you read 1 John, it sounds very similar uh, because John goes back and forth over and over that the one who believes in the name of Jesus, the one who believes in the Son of God, is a Christian, is saved. And they are not under judgment like he's saying here. But for someone who doesn't believe, they stay in the state that they're already in. When you and I come into this world, we're, we come into this world under judgment. We are already under the wrath of God because we are sinners. And if someone stays in that state, we know that they will go to hell forever. But what this is saying is that if you reject him, you're just going to stay in your current state and you will not be saved. But for us who believe, that judgment will not come and will not occur, praise the Lord. And then in 19, the Lord says, This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. We know that at the core of every human is evil. Right, Miss Jen? Yeah. Is sin. And I heard a man named R.C. Sproul, who is with the Lord now, 
say that if the Lord left us alone, we would basically implode. That that is what judgment really looks like. He doesn't, he doesn't have to pronounce judgment on us proactively. Right. When he removes himself from us and his active grace and interaction in our lives, we would crumble. And we would basically, as I heard someone else say, we would self-destruct. Well, I mean, it says that right in Scripture where it says, you know, the thought, the sin that is the thought that leads to the action, that leads to the character, results in death. In James 1. Right. It goes through the progression of sin. Yeah. Absolutely. And so when we look at our world... And over and over, the imagery of light and darkness is repeatedly used. Mm-hmm. And we live in a very dark world very. right now where evil reigns. And it's really kind of cool thinking about this is nighttime when the Lord is talking to Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. It will not always be night. Yeah. The Lord Jesus will return one day and light will dominate the universe and things will be ultimately redeemed. But until then, we live in this world where evil dominates. And you and I, right, are called mm-hmm. to be a light in this weary right. land. Yep. He goes on in verse 20, For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Mm-hmm. If you're doing bad things, you don't want them to be brought to light. You want oh, to hide them right. and, don't, and you want to keep anyone from knowing them right. and from being exposed. Verse 21, But... The Lord contrasts this as we finish up our section. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. So if you're doing what is right, you run to the light. You want to be exposed. You want to have what you're doing be seen because you have nothing to hide. And it's the same way, just on a very practical level as we finish up, when we come to church, if you're hiding sins, mm-hmm. if you're hiding things that you don't want anyone else to know about, you probably won't get too close to people mm-hmm. because you don't want anyone to find out about what's right. going on in this part of your life. Yeah. But guys, if we view the church as what it is supposed to be, a wonderful community of saints who love me and who I love and who the, one of the primary functions and purposes of the church is to hold me accountable to my sin, I want to run and I want to be exposed because I know how evil my own heart is and I know that the people that I love will keep me accountable and on the right track with my Lord. So once again, as we finish up, that was a very brief view, but we're still doing pretty well with time. This is the story of Nicodemus and the Lord Jesus when he's describing to Nicodemus what it means when God creates something brand new. In the same way of creating a new physical life, God creates something brand new completely. We just can't see it because we're already alive and because people are functioning in the physical sense. The Lord creates a brand new person, just like he talks about in 2 Corinthians 5.17 when he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, the new things have come. I think one of the overview things for me that I love about this passage too, I love that the gospel is so clearly defined here, but I love watching Nicodemus search, right? I mean, he's seeking to understand. He is seeking to know more of who the Lord is, and I think it's really 
encouraging here in a couple of ways is that we all seek to understand more about the Lord and sometimes we seek before we know our eyes are being opened right we're looking to find those things and be directed the other part I really love about this is this middle section where he's talking about being born again in the spirit and the flesh and that the spirit goes wherever it goes and and the Lord knows exactly where Nicodemus is he knows exactly where he is absolutely and and we've talked about this before but guys we cannot forget the Lord knows you Mm -hmm. He knows you well we say this to our kids all the time where things are happening or the face that they're making or the, the way that they feel at that moment that we say, we know you, yep. right? Because we've known them since birth. The Lord's known us before the beginning of time, and he knows us so well. And yet, right here, he knows Nicodemus, and he knows us so well. And one of the things that, that came out of um, when I was looking over the, the commentary on this was um, in John 7, mm. 50 through 52 it's stated there in the commentary that Nicodemus had accepted the Lord that he had become a follower of Christ please read that and I thought it was so neat because when I read it the first pass I was like it doesn't say that what verse was that again it was John 7 and it was 50 through 52 and the other part that I really like about this and we'll, we'll talk about these few verses here for just a second as we're wrapping up but What I really love about this is that in chapter 3, Nicodemus is lost. He's seeking the Lord. He's given the gospel. And guess what? Even given the gospel by the Lord himself, Mm. his eyes are not opened immediately. Here we are chapters later, right? And it's the debate over Jesus' claims. And Jesus is, um, the Pharisees are talking about it. And they're, they're upset, right? And it says, then the servant came to the... I'm up in 45. It says, Then the servants came to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him? And the servants answered, No man ever spoke like this. And then the Pharisees responded to them, Are you fooled too? Have any of the rulers or Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd, which doesn't know the law, is accursed. Nicodemus stands up right here. Verse 50. Mm -hmm. The one who came to him previously and was... And who was one of them said to them, Our law doesn't judge a man before it hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? You aren't from Galilee too, are you? They replied. Mm. Investigate and you will see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Mm. And I just thought that was so encouraging. One, Nicodemus is taking a stand where before he was going at night. Yeah. He's in the middle of the Pharisees, and he stands up and takes Jesus' side, right? Um, he's acknowledging exactly who he is. That He knows who he is now, right? So there's been a change. There's been a transformation yep, and in the, his life. The cool thing is, ultimately, only the Lord knows the heart. Yeah, I mean, it. only the Lord knows what he's going to work in someone's heart, but... He did stand up, Nicodemus, and at minimum defended the procedure of what's going on and saying, wait, guys, are we acting justly? And Lord willing, the Lord worked in his heart and continued to bring him to himself. I just want to finish with one 
verse in Corinthians mm -hmm. that Paul talked about um, that Paul mentions that is very applicable to our what we uh, talked about tonight and that is when he is talking about God choosing the weak things of this world to confound the wise and specifically guys when he opens any one of our hearts and saves us all the glory and all the honor goes to him and that's the way that it's meant to be first uh, Corinthians 1 in verse 26 for consider your calling brethren that there were not many wise according to the flesh not many mighty not many noble but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are and the reason that he does all of that the reason that he saves you and me is so that no man or woman may boast before God the reason and guys it's so important and critical to have a good understanding of what it means to have that God has saved me and brought me into his kingdom because if I had anything to do with my salvation in regards to if it was really up to me just to decide for God and have make a better choice than someone else I heard a pastor say that if I could lose my salvation I would <laughs> yeah but it's very important to remember that he has begun a good work in me he has done it and he will bring it to completion well, guys, we don't have questions for this week, but I'm going to give you a challenge. So if you're actually listening to the podcast still, um, <laughs> I'd love for you to take a few minutes before Monday night Zoom and either think about or find a story of somebody who's come to Christ. Yep. And I think it would be really cool for us to spend some time Monday night sharing stories of those who have come to Christ because each one is so unique. I love testimonies. Yep. Maybe you want to share your own testimony. Sure. Um, take a few minutes, write a couple of thoughts down, a minute or two share if you're interested in doing that or share a story of somebody else that you know who came to Christ. And I think it's just really amazing because it just exemplifies this scripture perfectly. When we hear testimonies of how people's eyes were opened. Um, and so I want to encourage us to do that. We'll come with a couple of stories too, uh, and we'll kind of have a storytelling night. I think that yep. would be super fun to do. That sounds great. Um, so that's our plan, guys. We can't wait to see you soon and uh, chat with you on Zoom and catch up from the last few weeks here. So we hope to see you on Monday, 7 o'clock. Talk right. to you soon. See you guys. Love you. Bye.